Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching program, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement program and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly, authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. to start with a little bit of trumpet Hamish my heart says no yeah my head says who am I to deny you that Go on. <laughs> my heart was right <laughs> Not, no. please stop god can you hear that drilling outside yeah, yeah there's a house it's weird that the, the sound of drilling is nicer to me 
than the mouth trumpet currently is. How can drilling be nicer than my dulcet tones? Well, I'd love to get woken up by that drilling rather than your trumpet. Rather than your face. <laughs> your face looking at me. So tomorrow's my big day. Yeah. Um, I'm not pregnant or getting mad or anything, but I'm going to be popping bottles of kombucha, splashing at my cash on a new keep cup. Or I'm just going to be staying up all night watching the ashes, like long after 8pm, which is yeah. my normal bedtime. Yeah. I, you do that every night, don't you? That's like your night routine. Old old videos of the ashes it is, on repeat. Okay, this just, just goes to show how little you know. The ashes is on right now, yeah. live. Yeah. Um, I am actually struggling because we still get into bed at six. So yeah. last night I slept from seven till eight. <laughs> And then I woke up at eight and watched the cricket. Oh God, yeah. that's sad. This is this is certainly not selling your sobriety. There here, is Hamish. a risk that the next few episodes of the podcast, yeah. I'm going to struggle to not talk about the cricket. It's on for six weeks. Yeah, I'm going to struggle to not make this basically a cricket podcast about sobriety <laughs> rather than sobriety. <laughs> You'll be on your own there, mate, because I'll be gone. <laughs> yeah. The other thing you could do if it's your sober birthday, Hamish, is drink from a chocolate fountain. Yeah. That is something that I would like to do. Just put my head under a chocolate fountain yeah. and just stay there. I would always shout, I made it from the top of a building. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> People would be like, what have you made? <laughs> Most of the houses here are bungalows. Right? Yeah, I don't know. that's true. I don't know how I got on my roof. <laughs> I think also doing some low Russian dancing to Cotton Eye Joe is a good way to celebrate. Yeah, that's a good way to start any day. <laughs> yeah. Just a few kicky out legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that definitely makes me happy. You've got to book a restaurant, of course, and have an extra big glass of fizzy water with perhaps a dash of grapefruit cordial, Hamish. No, I'm elderflower. Ah, oh, I've gone grapefruit recently. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going off the scale, mate. Off the scale on grapefruit? Yes. How are you? <laughs> yep. I did get off my nut on chamomile the other night. Uh, did yes, I tell you about this? your video. I did. I went absolutely... I'm never... I don't drink tea, as you yeah. well know. We were jet lagged and Liz was like, screw it, let's have some chamomile. I thought, you know what, I'm going to get absolutely chamomiled off my tits. I <laughs> and, did... and what does that look like? Uh, not a lot, actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite tame. I think <laughs> I just did it and then had dinner and gave Sunny and Ralph went to bed. Chamomile off my tits. Yeah. It's not something I've heard at a rave. I think it's something we need to put on a t-shirt, actually. <laughs> yes. I think that sells. Yeah, with our party like it's 1929. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. That's a good one. Oh, dear. So basically, Hamish, what we're trying to say is that it is your sober birthday, yes. your one year of me forcing you into the sober life. That is exactly it. Um, my issue with this, I mean, that's a bad way to start. Yeah. I'm thrilled that it's my sober mm. birthday tomorrow. <laughs> my issue with it is I think it's maybe the only party in your life that you care about lots and no one else knows the date. True. I know your date because obviously I'm on the you same train. To. You might be, I don't even think Liz knows, you might be the only person who knows the date. Yeah, and I care deeply about that day as well. You, you care more than me. Lucy was the same. She was like, oh God, how do I celebrate this? What do I do? I was like, we'll just go out for lunch. It'd be amazing. And she just thought, but nobody really cares, but I care. Yeah. Okay. That's all that we matters. Did, we went out, for yours. We went out for yours. Yes, we years. did. We went out for my five year okay. one. Yeah. As long as we have each other's backs. And exactly. Go because yeah, people people remember birthdays. Some people remember wedding anniversaries. Yep. Mine is Christmas Day. Apart from partners. Yep. Yeah, apart, apart from the ones yeah. that matter. Yeah. Um, but no one really remembers sober anniversary. No. So 11th of July. Mine, if you're wondering, yours is? Uh, 10th 
since March. I nearly forgot. March. So if you guys could just write that down and then in your diaries and yes. then send us gifts and well wishes on those days. Send us chocolate fountains in the post. Yeah, or grapefruit juice or elderflower. We're yeah. pretty we're pretty cheap dates now. <laughs> yeah. we are. Pretty cheap dates. We'll take any kind of gift. Oh, send me some fizzy water. Don't send me chamomile. <laughs> I'm gonna just do that once a year. I don't want to become a complete addict. So yeah, just just one one gift each on those dates would be lovely. But no, I am. I feel. I feel quite proud. I feel like it's good. It's originally I thought the day would feel like the closing of the book. Right. I've done my year. This is what I said I would do. Yes, don't give it too much away, okay, Hamish. No, no, okay. I'm well, going to ask you the question about your future okay. towards the end of the podcast and leave it as a surprise. Oh, teasing the listener. Like yes, it. yeah. Okay, but okay. there is a bottle of Jack Daniels by the side of his chair right now, so <laughs> I'm slightly concerned. And a bottle of elderflower. I've just yeah, got to yeah. make my decision before some the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode is sort of a party. Mm, is it? <laughs> I'm not so sure. The only it's party our I've had in a bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the sort of party I want to go to. We are here to celebrate Haim's soberversary by doing the one thing he loves more than anything else. We are going to strip. No, no, oh, not that. We're going to catch a flight to the UK child-free and go to the ashes? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, okay, what then? We are going to record an episode of Sober Awkward. <laughs> Yay! Now it's a party. That is my favourite thing to do. <laughs> Being locked in a child's bedroom with you for an hour. That is the way I want to celebrate. Are you going to miss out that bit where you've said sweating my balls off with the favourite part of your Oh, that's a good point. Well, today is actually not so hot, so my balls will remain probably unsweated. I'm this so hour. pleased about that. Yeah. I'm glad you don't have sweaty balls today. <laughs> Firstly, well done on Thank the sweaty, non-sweaty balls and that's your soberversary. Yeah, yes. Congratulations! That's how we greet each other each time we see each other. How are your balls? Yeah. Dry. Well done. <laughs> How's the underside of your tits? Dry. Fantastic. <laughs> we haven't seen each other for a while. You the, can tell. You can tell it's been a few weeks off. The underside of your tits. Oh, is, that, is that a sweaty area? I don't know. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. very sweaty. <laughs> oh, stop! Oh dear, Hamish. I was going to call it a flap, but it's not. It's no, not, it's not a nice way. Flap to is not it. good. No. You are a sober legend, and in many ways, you are my hero. Hang on, you wrote this episode, didn't you? Do I have to read it exactly? Yes, carry on. You are the smartest person I know, you. and your wife tells me you're hung like a... Her words, not mine. Yeah. yeah, enough of this. I'm going a cappella. In this week's episode, we're going to look back on both of our first years of sobriety. We're going to delve into some of the lessons we have learned to see if we can spot the similarities and differences between those who give up because they can and those because they give up because they have to. Okay, so before we go any further, I'm sure some of the listeners will be thinking that I might be recording this episode with a beer in my hand. Because on our first episode together, I said, that's it, I'm only doing it for a year. And, and we're going to track the progress over the podcast for a year. And then after that, Hamish back on the booze. Yeah, yeah. So actually, we're going to wait, Hamish, before I ask you that question, because I'm too nervous to. Because I don't want to lose you. Because if you do go back on the booze, that's what's going to happen. You're sacked. And you're back on the hunt for a presenter. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. how, I'm not how sure low I can... will you have to look? I think we better leave that till the end, that question, because okay. otherwise we probably won't finish this episode. And I'll just storm out of the room and slam the door. Okay, so when you and I finish the podcast, you storm out. And when you and Lucy end the podcast, you're both in tears and talking about how much you love each other. <laughs> yep. I can, see, I can see where I am in this picking order. Yeah, low, very, very low. <laughs> Before we share some of our stories of our first years of sobriety, shall we share how we both felt on the day we gave up? This could be helpful to anyone listening who is thinking today 
might be their day one. Okay. So for me, we went on a beach walk together and you asked me to join the podcast. Well, you told me to join the podcast. And yeah. go, so there's no real question, actually. No. Oh, no, you did have a choice. Did I? It was either you come on a podcast or you don't or you're sober or you're not. Yeah. But you yeah. were holding a gun. I was holding a gun <laughs> behind my back. <laughs> so I had no real warning that this was coming or that that day would be my, my first day sober. But I figured, look, I love the podcast. I was a new dad, so I wasn't drinking too much anyway. So I had sort of nothing to lose. In terms of how I felt, though, I was nervous. Like I said, my first thought was about the fact I was about to go back to England for a bit and I hadn't been to England in years and I had these three weddings and I was worried about having to dance. I was worried about having to sort of socialise with people I hadn't seen for so long without drinking. So my first feeling was initially nerves. Then I was worried about the reaction that some of my friends would have. And because I didn't have a drinking problem before and I wasn't the heaviest drinker in my circle of friends, I was scared that people would say, you like why you you're not even a big piss head yeah like this is ridiculous like you were able to moderate what's the point there's no downside i thought i would get that sort of line of inquiry which to be fair i didn't i was wrong to have that worry but then part of me despite the nerves and despite the worry i was actually quite excited i was excited by the fact that this was a challenge i was excited by the unknown of it all i was excited by the fact that it was something weird i've always got a bit of a buzz out of doing something weird something that most people aren't doing and i guess i was excited by the idea that i was going to have to do lots of things that i'd never done sober sober for the first time yeah and that was exciting and i know for a lot of people that is not an exciting thought that is an anxiety provoking thought that's a terrifying thought that's an impossible thought so they didn't give sobriety a try um but i guess i was lucky that yeah. I felt I felt excited by that challenge. But you like a challenge. You do like do. a challenge, don't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. You're somebody that will, will say yes. You're like yeah. the yes man, I'm aren't you? Yes man. You are the you yes man. You call it people pleaser. I call it yes man. Yeah, yeah it sounds a bit <laughs> better. Pros and cons. Yeah. <laughs> but what about you? Because you're you're sort of been slightly different to mine. It was very different because I was coming out of my last therapy session the day I decided to give up drinking. Yeah. Because before that that particular day I'd been going for 12 weeks I had never even considered it a possibility of me not drinking again even though I was having huge panic attacks and I was really suffering because of alcohol even in the therapy sessions I was like I just want to learn how to be a good drinker yep. I just want to learn how to moderate all of those questions still running around in my head and it wasn't until the last session that of she how, went of how many? To, out of 12 okay. 12 yep and she just said you do realize you don't have to drink now if you don't mm. want to and i was like what she said yeah you can just stop it all together mm. and i never even even though my sister had been sober for 20 years by then i never ever considered it a possibility so i walked out of there that day and just went oh my god the only cure for this is for me to stop drinking 100%. Mm. And I felt utter relief. I often okay. say that on the podcast, yeah, yeah. that I felt relieved. It was a bit different because it was the cure to my anxiety. That's what it was. It was the only way that I was going to stop the anxiety was to stop drinking. What did you do straight away? So you walk out the therapy room, you've got this advice, you feel relief. I went to the pub. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, one final swing in the back. Yeah, no, what did you, yeah, what did you do? I literally just, I remember walking out of there and I felt like years had dropped off my shoulders. A yeah. weight had just been lifted off me because yeah. I was suddenly free making that final decision and going, right, okay, so I never have to drink again. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so it didn't, there was no question in my mind by that point that this was the right choice for me. Mm -hmm. It felt, I felt it in every bone in my body 
this is the choice that I'm going to make now and forever and it's going to it's going to change everything and I'm happy about it. So there was a part of me that was nervous because obviously I didn't know who I was socially without alcohol. So that was scary, but the excitement and the relief outweighed that massively. It's interesting. I'm sure yeah. lots of people that still drink that listen to this podcast will be in that same situation as you, where in a way the answer is staring you in the face. Yes, it was. But you are not that open to looking at that answer and considering it. You think, oh, I can moderate. I can still get yeah. away with it. I still love my old, my old self. We can make this work somehow. And eventually, maybe you just need to hear it from the right person to accept it. I needed 12 weeks of therapy to undo yeah. all of that and mm. to understand the reasons why I drank and the we- reasons, the reasons, the reasons, yeah, the reasons why I, I was a huge shrinker socially. I couldn't have done it without that, quite mm. honestly. I wasn't mentally capable of unraveling all of the turmoil that was going on in my head around alcohol. Yeah. And it's a very simple answer, actually. It was a very simple answer, but it took me 12 weeks to undo it all cool. and just go, right, okay, this this is something that's no longer working for me. This is what's causing my problems. This is not solving anything and I need to quit. But yeah, I'd never considered that a possibility before. And it felt just, yeah, absolutely amazing. And when I walked out of there, I felt like I was sort of shining inside, mm-hmm. like I knew the secret to life and I couldn't tell anyone. It just felt that good. Or like you swallowed a torch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I felt like you know those three months when you're pregnant you're not supposed to tell anyone it's like a secret between you and your partner I don't know why it's a bit silly but I felt like that like I had a secret inside me the answer to life and I hadn't told anyone and it was really really exciting I think because my addiction was more mental than physical perhaps there was a physical element to it as well I'm not really sure but it felt very mental and I didn't have any withdrawal which is good, but I did have a mental withdrawal um, and that took some time to get over, especially when I was exposed to alcohol again for the first time because I just wasn't used to it. And of course my brain was wired to go, oh, there's a drink, let me drink it. So that took some time like it does with everybody, but I did feel like it was the beginning of my life again. I was like a baby bird cracking open its shell. That's how I've always seen you. (laughs) She's a young baby bird accepting the vomited food from the mother. (laughs) regurgitating like a penguin Uh, I was excited to see life from a different perspective from the sideline for once instead of being the main event so okay so both of us felt excited you felt more relief than I did but we both felt this sort of excitement of a new yeah something new new. Yeah. yeah and also very much like you I enjoyed telling people about it because I felt proud and slightly obscure just like you said it's weird I felt like the bearded lady at the fair I was quite proud of being like the circus freak when I went out. I kind of liked it. I was that weird, bizarre person that didn't drink. And I felt like a kind of rare find, like a gem (laughs) that that nobody ever comes across, like this weird person that doesn't drink. And yeah, it was, it felt good being, you know, being the one that wasn't drinking instead of the sheep heading down the pub. Yeah. Okay. So we're both lucky that we like the weird because a lot of people will be fr- afraid of giving up because like, I don't want to be the weird one. Yes, yeah, a good point. The one that stands out. Yeah. So if you're not inclined to embrace the weirdness, then that is a justified fear of, so- of sobriety. Is going, I don't want to be the one that stands out at the party for not. Totally. Drinking. It's actually good though. Today for me feels like the big one, right? The one year birthday because I'm scared that after this you only really celebrate the fives and tens. 
Is that right? No, I celebrate every year. Okay, good. Yep. Because I was scared that basically, yeah, the one the one birthday's huge and then it's like, all right, if it doesn't end with a zero or a five. You can celebrate every sober birthday because it's not like we're doing a Kardashian-style baby reveal. Okay, it's not like a massive so you're not Hollywood do. It's just me having no. It's just me having a fizzy water in my lounge, going yay. Okay, I, I cleared my schedule tomorrow. No, expecting there's some nothing grand... happening. No. Okay, <laughs> I've hired. I'm going to ride you in on an elephant to the podcast. That's what I want. Yeah. That's what I, I dreamt of. Nothing less. When we did our live show recently, I said that I found the first year the most rewarding year because it was that first year of ticking off lots of things for the first time. First wedding, first rave, first sober speech, first dance floor. And I felt as if all of those helped me grow in confidence with each passing day. But for you, and I think possibly for anyone else who gave up because they had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, that first year is the most challenging, the most difficult, the least rewarding. Is that Was that sort of right for you? Well, it was sort of true. The first day was amazing, as was the first week, but then life happens. Yeah. So something goes wrong, bills pile up, kids get annoying, you get your favourite cardigan caught in the handle for the 12th time that day, sure. the dog does a plop on the carpet, stuff happens. And that's when I found myself thinking about drinking for the first time. Okay. It was when things went wrong. And I was so used to going, All right, let's just numb this out with a glass of wine and have a nice time. I couldn't do that. So of course, you know, a third of people relapse, Hamish, in their first year. And mm. I can understand why. It's because everything feels raw and real and you have to learn how to process it, which is really, really hard for somebody yeah. that's been a massive drinker. The thing is, when you give up drinking, you're able to see and hear and feel and touch a lot more clearly. Mm -hmm. And that can be very, very overwhelming. Yeah. You feel more alive than ever, but it's almost too much. And that would cause people to want to drink again. And that whole processing emotion thing is really, really full on. And also you don't know who you are socially or emotionally. So there's just so much learning to be done. Mm. And it can feel like quite a drag sometimes. It's like, God, this is so hard. I just want to drink. It's interesting that because you actually find that things that you thought you loved you actually don't enjoy that much sober totally. or things that you thought you hated you're like, oh, actually quite enjoy this sober so it's a bit of a relearning of your interests it totally is so basically there's no hiding from your demons and you just have to face them head on which is a lot sometimes you lose friends you might gain weight i mean there's a lot of stuff happening isn't yeah. there in your first year of sobriety and basically your brain starts working again and all of a sudden you have insight into everything i find i'm much more opinionated than i've ever been before and sobriety is confronting as fuck but just because i did not experience physical withdrawal from alcohol does not mean i didn't suffer some sort of mental withdrawal i did want a drink at times because that would have been the easier option. That is the option I am wired to do and have been wired to do for 25 years. So it's hard to give that up. But even though drinking did pop into my head, I didn't do it. I certainly was done. It's one of the interesting things about giving up for health or giving up because you have a problem is that we have different experiences of that first year. They can be inspiring and you love it or you can really struggle and find it hard. And I think for anyone that struggles and finds it hard... I think you feel shortchanged. You're like, I gave up because I'm meant to feel amazing all the time. Because yes. alcohol is thing that made me feel bad. So fuck it, what's the point? Yeah. You know, and I think that is the root of a lot of relapse is people yeah. have an expectation of how they're going to feel the first year sober and it falls short. Funnily, I got an email this morning, Hamish. I've opened my email. It's sitting in bed this morning and it was a lady who was saying, 
I've lost myself. I don't know who I am. I was fun and I feel like I'm not fun anymore. Yeah. How do I still be fun in sobriety? I'm going to drink soon because I feel like I don't know who I am and I'm completely lost and I've lost my spontaneity. Yeah. I just wrote back underneath. I just write three words. I think I wrote, why did you start this? Because I think that's where people get confused. You've got to remember why you started it. In moments like that, you started it because alcohol isn't working for you anymore. And if you go back to that and remember your reason why, then you kind of start, you can sort of reassess and start again. <laughs> because it is very easy to say, oh God, I'm boring now, I'm boring now. But you started this for a reason and yeah. you've got to really concentrate on that. Why did you start this as four words, but who's counting? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, as I said, this is four words. I thought, I don't even know how many words it is. I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> It was a few I words. I didn't hear a word that you said after you said <laughs> yeah. three words. When you Don't worry, it was a load of gibberish anyway. <laughs> well, I think this can serve as an important reminder that although everyone that is sober or sober curious are all part of a, a community together, you know, we're all effectively the same, we each thrive or struggle at different stages and paces. A sensitivity to this is so important in helping anyone that you know that is going sober or trying to get through this navigate every single corner. You've got to understand that it's it's different for everyone. Yeah, totally is. So to provide my my sort of side of, of the first year sober, I wrote a blog post on the Kappa website, which I think we're going to release today or tomorrow or come out on my on my on my soberversary. Yeah. Um, which goes through this in a little bit more detail. But generally, I want to talk about the three key lessons that I've learned this year. Okay, great. It's bloody hard to narrow it down to three. It is hard well to know. narrow it down to three because you're like a you know, you're like a little gnome when it comes to sobriety. You have lots of things that have changed. I don't know why that's related okay, to gnomes, no, it's, but it's, you are like a little sober gnome. Sober gnome is nicer than sober gimp. I'll yeah, take we, yeah. <laughs> we cancel to sober gimp. Yeah. We'll go back to sober gnome. So the three key lessons that I've learned. The first is that the least interesting thing about going sober is not drinking alcohol. God, so true. You are the person that first said that to me. Yeah. And that is probably the greatest thing that I've learned this year. Not choosing alcoholic drinks in a bar or in a supermarket or at a party is not interesting at all. It is just me drinking one drink whilst everyone else drinks a different drink. Yeah. There's nothing to learn in it. It just it's one little decision that you have to make. Yeah. But everything that goes with sobriety is interesting. Like I spoke about the idea of doing your first dance or wedding or speech or whatever holiday sober feels like you are becoming a better person by proving to yourself that you don't need alcohol for confidence or you don't need alcohol to cover an insecurity. That is really the root of everything interesting in sobriety. For me, if you have a problem with drinking, it, it might be different for you. But for me, that was the number one lesson that I learned. That is a huge lesson. And that is a lesson I totally resonate with, yes. Amish. The second one was that more people are sober than you think I did not know there was a sober community. You were the only sober person I knew. I thought it was basically you and Lucy and lots of sober pregnant women. Yeah. That's everyone that I knew and none of my friends were sober. Yeah. But then since going back to England and going to weddings and socialising with people, loads of my friends are going sober. Loads of people struggle with anxiety on a hangover than I thought. That's not something I ever experienced. And loads of people are experiencing it. Yeah. People that I think maybe because we do what we do, people open up to us about it i'm not sure if i was still drinking people would pull me away at a party and, and, yeah. and share that with me no but loads of people are sober far far more than i thought you're, you're not a complete weirdo if you're sober okay, that's good you'll be surprised by how many people come up to you and go me too or i'm trying it for a bit yeah or i'm sober curious or i'm going to do six months 
far more people than, than you first think. I would say I rarely meet someone who's 100% happy with their drinking mm-hmm. and goes, yeah, I had drink 20 beers on a Friday night. It's the best thing ever. You don't hear that very much mm-hmm. anymore. You know there's people that like to drink. Yes, I see that. But you never hear anyone talking about it like it's the best thing ever. Maybe it's because we're not 18 anymore or because mm-hmm. we're in a different scene and we don't go out of our houses. Yeah. But I do think... It isn't something you hear very often, people being proud of their drinking as much. I think people would know to not say that to you and I, though. Perhaps, yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're not the people to bring that conversation to. Oh, well to. done. Yeah. <laughs> You're Fantastic. the best. Yeah. <laughs> well done on your drinking. <laughs> um, and the third lesson is this lesson of time. You get a lot of time back. And I think I felt this particularly in the last month when I've been away on holiday. Holidays are, in many ways, the hardest thing to do sober because holidays, when you relax and you drink and you're on a swimming pool or a beach or a bar or whatever, and like, it's my time to drink. For loads of people and for me, for years, holidays were drinking. Now, holidays sober, your holidays last so long. Yeah. There are so many hours in the day mm. when you're on holiday and not drinking. I could not believe... Yeah, I get up at like 5am with a child. Yeah. But... I could not believe the amount of hours of my day. We went on a, on a four-day holiday and it felt like two weeks. That's so good. And you were happy with that. It's not like yeah. it was long and drawn out. No, no, no. no okay, that's all right then. No, it was hell. That would not be a popular thing to say with my wife. <laughs> Just ask two little couples holiday with like a 24 child. 24 hours with you is like a lifetime. <laughs> uh, they're all very, very good answers, Hamish. Yeah. They're huge, I mean, aren't they? They were the big three. Other than these benefits of sober life, has there been anything that you have really struggled with? Yes. Of course. The first one is the do you feel amazing question. I feel like that is such a difficult question because you feel differently every day. Yeah. People assume you're sober now, you've been sober for a year, you must just feel incredible. Well, no. I Firstly, I, which is my second point, I still get hangovers, Yes. which is incredibly unfair, from, but so true. From just tiredness. I think it's tiredness. It is often after a night out, like after a wedding or after yes. New Year's Eve I had one or New Year's Day I had one. I because you've had a get, few fizzy drinks. I don't know what it is. If yeah. it's just talking lots or being out late or socialising or tired. I don't know what causes it, but I still get hangovers, which is very unfair. I think we need to do an episode on fizzy drink awkward because okay. like that's the sober hangover is the sugar in fizzy drinks. We could definitely do that. Yeah. There's, there's an episode in sober hangovers. If you would like to support the Sober Awkward podcast, we're excited to announce that we've joined Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love. By buying Sober Awkward a cuppa once a month, we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message. By joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward. And together we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Another thing that I find annoying about being sober, and I think this is maybe the most annoying one, is you realise how annoying drunk people are. Yeah, you basically are looking at yourself when you go out and you just sit there going, I cannot believe that I was always this drunkest person. And usually that person isn't really drunk. Yeah. So sometimes, oh, the dog's going. Yeah, I feel like it's probably the biggest annoyance in my sobriety. And I know that this is a sober podcast and in a way I feel bad going through a list of things that are bad about being sober, but it's important to show both sides of the argument. Of course. You have no idea how annoying drunk people are until you're sober. If you're one of them, it's great. Like they're also drunk, you're not annoyed by them, you're yeah. being annoying, no one's annoyed with you. 
And then you're sober and it really irritates me. Yeah. Oh, God, that's bad, isn't it? Because you don't want it to irritate you. I want to be cool with it, but I'm not. I want to go out and be like, yeah, this is fine. I'm having a good time. But as soon as someone reaches that point where they've gone to the different world yeah, (laughs) in in their eyes (laughs) and slurring and stuff, I just don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it it's funny in sobriety how you have more of a concern for drunk people Mm -hmm. like i worry about girls when i see them sat on the curb outside a nightclub i'm like oh john should we stop give them a lift home see if they're all right he's like they're fine you did it for 25 years yeah yeah but sometimes they're not fine like people are at risk when they're like that someone's Mm -hmm. passed out in a car park you've got to try and help them haven't you it's funny how you change from being that person the one passed out in the car park to being somebody who's trying to help so you got rid of your anxiety but you picked up a lot of worry yes okay it's only a small step down yeah i can cope with worry anxiety i can't the other one uh, my last and biggest annoyance about being sober is that now that i've effectively had my eyes opened to alcohol marketing Okay. I am one of those annoying people. Yeah, anyone that you meet that has a rant about the government, like the government are pulling wool over your eyes. Yeah, conspiracy theories. I'm now one of them. Yeah. I'm like, well, they're making a lot of money from advertising this. Yeah. And and we're falling for it. Yeah. So I'm now a generally annoying conspiracy theorist. You know, I always used to say to you about the big trick, didn't I? How you start in your first year of sobriety, start to go, this is all like, you get a bit angry. This is all a big trick. I've been conned into (laughs) drinking all my life to think it's fun. And they're only showing me half the story. And now I'm pissed off about it. They're showing me the good bit, but they don't show everyone five minutes after their second drink (laughs) falling all over (laughs) the place and making a tit out of themselves. They just show, yay, look at me having a glass of wine. We're actually going to do a whole episode on alcohol and the media and that sort of influence on people because it makes you have a an opinion of alcohol that is positive mm-hmm. and of course we know really that that's not true well yesterday and this will be my last cricket reference during the cricket um which starts at 11 o'clock yeah so this and i was watching it in the first hour so before midday the advert on sky sports in england uh, the first advert during the break was Lathwaite's wine yeah. because they are the official sponsor of the England cricket team. Yeah. Why a cricket team has an official wine sponsor, who knows? Then it was a, a cider advert mm. and then it was back into the cricket. This is like 11.30 a.m. Yeah. And there'll be millions of people watching the cricket during the Ashes. I just thought, yeah, now that I'm aware of it, it really annoys me. But I suppose it's the perfect audience because everybody drinks. Yeah. So like we're just the two people that don't appreciate that advertising but everybody else is like oh yeah Loving cider it. lovely yeah. go and get one anyway, anyway yeah i must also emphasize this point here in that i haven't during my first year of sobriety experienced any kind of trauma or grief so anyone that does go through either of those things in their first year and it becomes a trigger and they relapse you know i totally understand i cannot relate to it at all i've got no idea how i react in that situation Mm. Um, and i feel so lucky that i haven't experienced either that this year i thought i would in a way i had the sick thought like i've mentioned on the podcast that when i said i'll give up and it will be a year i was sure that something awful would happen during that year which would really test me yeah and i've been incredibly lucky that i haven't yeah i know this is my soberversary but i feel like i've been talking too much here so i want to get more of your opinion you said that first year in a way was the most challenging but by year five you're loving it so what changed year two three four take my battery off i think it's all right you think i reckon yeah should i close that blind (laughs) 
Just in case anyone's still listening, the blind has just fallen off and fallen on the floor and he's broken it and you can hear the drill outside even more. Just leave it. I don't know what happened there, Hamish. It's very bright in here yeah. now, though, isn't it? Oh, let's just carry on. Sorry, Sorry everybody. There's going, to be, there's going to be some drilling in the background. And no, it's very bright in here now because Hamish just ripped the blind off the wall. OK, so what changed? Yeah. It's what you said about it not really ending up being about alcohol. You give mm. that up and then you have to get to know yourself deeply. I will say it's not just you get to know yourself on a very low level. It's actually you get to know yourself very deeply, which is a really fascinating experience. I could never have predicted in, in a million years that that was going to happen to mm -hmm. me. I remember being on Danny Carr's podcast, How I Quit Alcohol, probably three years ago now. It was the first uh, podcast I'd been on as a guest and her saying to me, How's it going getting to know yourself? And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. So I was two years in by then. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've just given up alcohol and I'm talking about it. That's all that's happening. She was like, no, no, no. You are going to get to know yourself on a whole new level. And she looked at me on the screen and said, I am so excited for you. Mm. And I was like, I don't really get what you're talking about. She was like, you will. And this is going to be what it's all about for you. And I remember going away thinking, oh, what load of woo-woo sort of rubbish. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what happens to everyone. And the longer you are sober, the more extreme that is and the more brilliant it is. Mm. And it does take a while for it to flip into action. But you get to know yourself and you get to like yourself. And actually, I hate to say it, but you get to love yourself, which is a very wanky thing for me to say. <laughs> it sounds egotistical and self-absorbed, but that is the truth. And that took three years for you? I would say to start that, it took two or three years, yeah, yeah. to start on that. Because you have to have the 18 months of kind of struggling and understanding and getting to know yourself socially and putting yourself out there a bit. But then there's this whole other path of you just learning how to understand that you are worthy of mm -hmm. being happy. Mm -hmm. And that is quite a huge thing. Because I think you go through life just thinking, I'll oh, drink it away. This is how I have fun. And you don't experience another way of feeling. And when you're sober, you have to learn another way. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. Yep. So, yes, I love myself, Hamish. I love myself now. And I often say to people, in fact, every day people write comments on our cuppa community or on my Facebook page. They're like, you know, how will this stick? What do I do? What's this going to feel like? And I always say, just know this will be the best thing that you will ever do for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I totally, I guarantee that if you stick with it, it will be. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people say that. Lots of people have said that to me. It really it's the is best true. Decision I ever made. Yeah. It's a, it's like the sobriety secret. The big secret to life is like just get sober and you'll just start really enjoying your life. So those are the good bits. What are the bad bits? The bits that still grate you about being sober five years in? Well, I still feel a bit odd when I'm the only person sober at the pub. That never leaves me, Hamish. Okay. I, I was at the pub last night. A couple of my mates were having a glass of wine. I had a lovely time. There were people singing and being a bit rowdy. And I just thought I am the only sober person here, mm. which is why I do this podcast, because I need people to be sober. So I'm not always the 
Billy No Mates. So this uh, this podcast is just a call for friends. Yes, yeah, I've been doing it for two years to just get people sober so that I don't feel like a weirdo <laughs> when I go out. Yeah, I still sometimes feel like a bit of a tit asking for fizzy waters at the pub because I know they just think, oh God, you're just going to have one fizzy water and leave and what what's the point in you? It feels quite intense sometimes emotionally and not having an out during the witching hour, for example, yeah, yeah. and having to sit and process all those feelings is tough. Mm-hmm. I did throw a broom at a wall recently Hamish why well it was actually luckily we were just having our bathrooms done but I told John that something had fallen down and made a hole in the wall but I was so annoyed I didn't know what else to do I left the kids in the lounge and just walked into the airing cupboard and shoved the broom really hard against the wall made a hole in wow what are the kids done they're just being twats and did you feel what was that release yes it released it yeah released it yeah throwing a broom at the wall is quite satisfying should we get you a padded room so you can just throw brooms at walls maybe a bit more therapy might help as well sure a padded room and some more therapy yeah yes i definitely need to work on that what's cheaper we'll see whether it's cheaper to pad a whole room or 10 to 12 therapy sessions and then we'll just do that one i saw the look on my husband's face when i you know i said oh there's a hole in the wall something fell down he just kind of gave me a worried look knew that it was me I'm going to make you a papier-mâché broom for your birth, for your next soberversary. Yeah, a rubber one. Smash that. Oh, yeah, a rubber, a rubber broom. Yeah. <laughs> you can just throw that around all you want. The most pointless thing in the world, a rubber broom. <laughs> <laughs> I want one. Oh, dear. Of course, by its very nature, this episode is about celebrating a date, a milestone, a soberversary. But I think it's important to emphasise the pros and cons of being too attached to dates in your sobriety as well. So, so I think true. it's actually a huge topic within sobriety and it can be a pitfall especially if you're failing and you're like oh everybody's getting to 100 days and they're getting 200 days and i i can't get past two what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. so yeah there's definitely downfall in that area yeah let's begin with the pros yeah so opportunity to celebrate you that's what this is and shout about your sobriety from the rooftops if you feel like it yes your soberversary might inspire someone else if if we can do it vic and i trust us anyone can do it yeah we are not very impressive people yeah and you probably are more impressive and i think shouting about it and having a date specifically put aside to shout about it can help others totally helps others hamish it can be bloody hard going sober so take pride in your success plus any excuse to treat yourself yes soberversary is basically a birthday yeah so buy yourself some gifts yes I feel as if although all of these points are valid and they are important, I totally understand anyone that tries to distance themselves from becoming too attached to these dates. Yeah. One of the downsides to these dates is you can beat yourself up over a relapse. You know, when you restart your your clock, that date, you're back to zero, day zero. It's very easy to have a fuck it, what's the point attitude. You know, yes. oh, I'm back at day zero. I'm back at the start. I might as well keep drinking. You yeah. know, you get too attached to the date and that can just completely unmotivate you and also i think having those relapses often it sort of creates this vicious circle of relapse you're like well i've relapsed before and i got back again now i'll relapse again and i'll get on again it's like this on off on off thing and i think there's something to be said here hamish of giving up of course everybody wants to give up and never go back and that's really hard but i wrote a blog post recently called the knowing and that's what i felt on the day that i give up i gave up i had to have this knowing that it was going to be forever for me because Mm. otherwise i still had that mental preoccupation about when I was going to drink and when I wasn't. And that was the mind 
fuck for me when I was trying moderation for that four years before that was that I was still thinking mm. about alcohol. And for me, it was the knowing that I was never going to drink again that avoided me relapsing. And having yeah. that knowing is really, really important because that will stop you going back and forth all the time. There is so much weight in a date. The difference between being sober curious since a date or completely sober since a date, does it really matter? Yes, this is a big one for me. Because I think if somebody says I've been sober for five years, that for me is impressive. If somebody says I've been sober curious for five years, there's something in that. I'm like, oh, okay, so you still drink a bit? Like, yeah. yeah. And I know that that is the wrong approach, but deep in me, that is still important. Okay, I'm yes. still attached to that date. Yes. Even though I know there's very little that can, good can come from it for me in my personal experience. So recently I, I met a guy in Dubai and he said, you know, I gave up boozing for a month in the 90s and it ended up lasting five years. And then I went back to drinking for 10, 15 years. And now I've been sober again for the last five years. And rather than me being like, that's really impressive. My thought is like, oh, what made you start drinking again? Yeah. Is that what you would have done? Like, yeah, totally. oh, what happened? He's less attached to the idea of it's been forever forever or, yeah forever is scary for anybody and it's impossible to say forever that's why mm. aa they say one day at a time because forever is too overwhelming it's too much for people to handle mentally yeah. so one day at a time stick with that and just see how it goes but that knowing that you're trying forever i think is really important mm -hmm. yeah with being attached to dates there's also comes with it this risk of using a landmark date as a reason to start drinking again yeah so if you go like i did i'm going to give up for a year well on that soberversary like great i've achieved my goal now i've proved to myself that i can go sober i must not be an alcoholic because alcoholics can't do that yes. so i'll go back to drinking now yeah. i'm not passed out on the park bench so i'm all right jack exactly yeah so i think weirdly being attached to a date can actually make you start drinking again because it's it's a goal that has a, a deadline totally and it's the same with going doing dry july or anything like that yeah. you're setting yourself up to start drinking again actually mm -hmm. yeah so this oh it's so interesting isn't it all these different aspects of this first year where do you lie actually on that whole date debate because i'm certainly dates are a bad thing okay. to my own detriment where are you? Are you dates are good or is it a bit of both? Love or? the dates. Love the dates. I'm okay. very, very proud of my sobriety. Therefore, I want to celebrate it at every opportunity. And those years tick up. I cannot believe that I'll be six years sober next year. It is extremely important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And it shows how far I've come. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. I think it's huge. But it's not for everybody. I totally understand that. You and I obviously come to sobriety from slightly different places, Hamish. So having done what you set out to do and gone sober for a year, how do you feel about your sobriety going forward? This is the big question, really. You were saving this one for the end. I was, Hamish, because I am concerned about this. If you say that you are going to start drinking again, then you're not going to be on the podcast anymore. That's yes. number one. And... I'll feel a bit sad and weird and scared. I'll feel very many emotions if you tell me you're about to go to the pub and get <laughs> yeah. pissed. I don't know how I feel. I think I might tie you down. You reckon? Yes. Or would you relapse with me? No. And we go together? <laughs> Certainly wouldn't. I can't imagine anything worse. <laughs> it's a big what blowout. A, End of the podcast together. Oh, God, together. what a messy afternoon that would be. <laughs> Let me start by saying, as long as I do this podcast, I will be sober 100%. Okay. Doing this podcast and moderating or doing this podcast and drinking or doing this podcast and turning up smelling of alcohol. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's never going to work. Even cheating. Even if you went, oh yeah, I'm going to do the podcast yes. and I'm going to pretend that I'm sober, but I'm secretly going to drink. I will know. You will know. I have had hundreds of opportunities to cheat. Yes. I've had so many friends and even Liz say to me, she'll never know. 
Where will the other side of the world? She'll never know. So I have not cheated. Okay. Um, But no, honestly, this podcast and the effect that it has on us and the effect that it has on people that listen seemingly is the most meaningful thing that I do in my life. Uh, professionally, I suppose I should say husbanding and fathering. Yes. But professionally, if we could call ourselves professionals, <laughs> this is literally the, the best thing that I do in my life. So there's no way that I'm giving up this podcast. There's no way I'm giving up sobriety and, and leaving this podcast because I'm, I'm loving doing it. Okay, so, great. No, That's good. That's good. We are still together. Okay, the show goes yes. on. There will be an episode next week. I'm not hunting for a new co-host. Then. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Thank God put, for that. Put that LinkedIn job application down. Okay, good. Yeah, I'd um, already done the forms. Well, also my fear is that if I did go back, if I have a drink, you know, let's say this podcast ends and we both go our separate ways and you move to Thailand and, you know, <laughs> and then in like three years, I call you and said, I, I had a drink last night because yeah. I'm now going to be sober curious or whatever it is, I'm going to change my approach to alcohol, whatever it is. I don't know if I could deal with your disappointment. <laughs> I know you would feel disappointed and I know you wouldn't be able to mask it well because you're not a I poker face. I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know how that... Maybe if that conversation we should record and release it as a bonus yeah. episode three years after the podcast You could just ended. film my face and you'd just see one tear leak from yeah. my eye. I did have an interesting chat with a guy the other day who said, in a hundred years time, we're going to look back on this passage of time as like the big the big con in a way like yeah. alcohol was this poison that we all drunk and was yeah, normalized like smoking and when we're smart in 100 years or we know more about the science whatever it is we'll go and just go what the fuck were we doing well the choice is then hamish are you a pioneer i guess i could be a pioneer okay yeah, you'd yeah. be a pioneer you never drink again okay so basically if you start drinking again you will no longer be a pioneer oh i see what you've done <laughs> you trapped me i've trapped you i'm just joe blogs not inspiring anyone <laughs> yeah, anymore not inspiring just drinking sat at the pub on your own with a pint of beer you no cow. longer a pioneer How dare you do that to me <laughs> that is good that was a trap okay that no was. i don't want to be a pioneer i'm falling for that one re-record that <laughs> i don't want to be a pioneer <laughs> that's funny oh dear I suppose whether you choose to celebrate these dates or not, what's important is that you are sober, Hamish. You have ticked off another day and are hopefully reaping the benefits. Sobriety ain't easy. There are good days and bad days, just as there were when you were drinking. You should be proud of yourself, whether you were a week sober, a year sober or 10 years. I can tell you from experience that it gets better and better. Yes. As it will for you, Sir Hamish. Shall we finish, as ever, with a silly quote? Yeah, go on then. Disappointing affirmations. Oh, I'll do that one. It's okay to have feelings, but why do you have to have so many? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's me, summed yeah. up. Here's a nice one. If we're facing in the right direction, all we have to do is keep walking. I chose that one because it related to you. Now, I just wanted to read out a little bit about Hamish here. I've written there, just keep walking, Hamish, because that's what you need to do. Keep walking in the right direction. (laughs) And remember that I'm walking behind you, watching your every move, so keep fucking walking. Creep. (laughs) (laughs) You're behind me in disguise. At the end, I just want to give Hamish a huge pat on the back. We now get hundreds of emails from young men, from lads to dads, saying they've given up drinking because they were so inspired by Hamish's story. A guy that didn't have a drink problem, yet quit drinking. This is an incredible lesson that needs to be heard in our society. Hamish is proof that you don't have to be an alcoholic to stop drinking. You will still reap all the rewards that sobriety offers, even if you were a very moderate or casual drinker. Your life will improve, everything will get easier and you'll get healthier if you take alcohol out of the equation. 
Sobriety really is a possibility for everyone. And I'm so glad that Hamish hopped on board the boring bus and came for a ride on Sober Awkward. His journey has been fascinating to watch. His insight and perspective on sober life have not only made the people that know you intrigued, Hamish, it's actually spurred on others all over the world to give sober life a go. What an admirable accomplishment, Hamish. You are really a sober superhero to me and many others. Oh, thanks, yeah. Vic. That's okay. I wrote that last night while I was really tired. And <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all the same. And I've got a message from your wife. Really? Yeah. <laughs> ready? I'm ready. I am so unbelievably proud of him. He is the most incredible husband and father. I know everything he's doing is so he can be the best version of himself and show up for his family. Sonny and I feel so lucky to have such an inspirational guy in our corner. Oh, she sent that to me this morning. You've gone behind my back. I went behind your back. Just to say, well done, Hamish. It's a big feat. And it was a big ask of me to say, can you go sober for the podcast? And to hear that you're going to carry on and maybe experience a year or two years or three years or whatever you choose to do and to help inspire people, I think it's very very brave and very inspiring so well done oh well thank you thank you for asking me best thing i've ever done yeah very good uh, i just want to add here of course that we're going to be doing a live show in sydney aren't we hamish yes go on to eventbrite and the tickets are on our sober awkward website as well which is soberawkward.com. we're coming to sydney to do a live show 21st of september and it i think it's, it's a at thursday the, night i think it's a thursday night yep. at the harold community hall uh, it's going to be amazing there's loads of seats left so get in there yes we'd love to see you and actually meet some of you yes we'd you love to meet some all of... our stories i want to get to know some of yours okay yes what stories well their most embarrassing story oh, they yeah. literally know our most embarrassing stories and we don't know them that's true i just want to give people really long hugs and avoid conversations Oh, purely hugging. <laughs> purely awkward hugs, that's all I'm giving, okay. yeah. Okay, Mouth, mouth taped up and yeah. just, you can, my, you can use my free hugs t-shirt. Oh, yes, excellent, I'll just do that. Yeah, yeah so we'll look forward to seeing you in Sydney, guys. Unless that's a turn off for you, in which case um, we won't hug you and just come and you can just enjoy the show. Yeah, just enjoy the show. <laughs> and Hamish, hopefully you won't be opening that bottle of Jack Daniels that's next to you. No, I won't bring that. Okay, good. It is a sober event. If you're okay, wondering, yeah. no booze at <laughs> yes. this event. There will be no booze Please there. don't have pre-drinks before you come. <laughs> Please don't do Please that. Please don't go out for dinners and boozy piss-ups of any events yeah. before you come. Don't heckle. Just enjoy the show. Yeah. Stay sober. You know we find drinking people annoying, even though we were drinking people for many, many yeah. years. <gasps> Thanks for listening, guys. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Fix got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it?
Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out all my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, probably ones with moody, moody or, sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, good, yes. Good, good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, 
It wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. My teeny little wooden heart. Well, his teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 